Got people in uh, the end of August getting their last vacations out. I don't know about you, but I want you to believe with me that we will pack this place out September, October, and just keep on going. Have people ask me from time to time again, when are you going to go to two services? Well, when we need to, that's when we'll go. Uh, How's that? So, um, I mean, we could always do two services, but I want to do it because the Lord said do it. So we get another 40 or 50 people that come on a regular basis. We'll pull that 9 o'clock service. We'll do a 9 and a 1030. I've had people ask me, what will we do after that? I don't know. Maybe a Saturday night. Wouldn't that be cool? Saturday night service or, or another Sunday service. That's why we put the, the first one at 9, 1030. If we do another one on Sunday, and we will have to do that sooner or later here, hopefully sooner, it'll be at, at noon, at high noon. Hey, and, and the good thing is I'm going to help you clear out Bob Evans before you even get there. The, the, those noon people will be there. Amen. All right. Well, I got to tell you, there was a boy and his father, they went camping. And they hadn't been camping a long time, and they were really excited to get out. The boy was just about eight years old, and the father went camping. Middle of the night, the boy looks up, he nudges his father, he said, Dad? He said, yes, son. He said, look at the sky. He said, it's beautiful. He said, yeah, look at, Dad, look at the stars. He said, yeah, that's, that's great. Dad, look at the trees. Look at just the shadow of them. He said, yeah, that's pretty amazing. The clouds are moving. Dad, the moon is so bright. Yeah. Dad, you know what that means? He said, what? Somebody stole our tent. (laughs) Just thought I would help you laugh this morning. Had somebody send me this. How do you catch a unique rabbit? Unique up on it. It gets worse. He said, and how do you catch a tame rabbit? I said, I don't know. He goes, the tame way. Well, there's your jokes for today. How many knows the enemy hates us because we are made in the image of God and we are advancing the kingdom? And uh, so we are believing God for great things. Uh, This Wednesday, uh, Jerry Savelle will be here. And we're excited about that. We're getting ready for that. This place will be packed. We'll be putting out the wing chairs uh, on these sides. And you need to picture that. When you come here and see this place full of people, that's how it should be on Sundays. And you need to see that ahead of time and believe with me. We have people that go up and down these chairs and pray and, and, and believe and all of that. And we're just thankful. You know you're doing stuff that's right for God. Got a call this morning and somebody decided to break into our mailbox outside. It's a locked mailbox. But, you know, I have no idea. The office was closed, so I don't know what was in there, out there. Uh, they, they left the bills, bless their heart. So if there were contributions that were out there, you know, I had to make a police report and uh, all of that. And uh, so, you know, that's why when sometimes when we say the safest way is, is uh, you know, to, to text online, uh, we say that because I, you know, we can't be monitoring that. But now I will have to put a system out there, you know, smile, you're on candid camera kind of system. So that will happen. Uh, and, you know, um, it's all good, because doesn't he supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory? Today is the last day for uh, the Believer's Authority. This, we've been doing this for 20 weeks. 
Man, 20 weeks. I hope you've learned some stuff. Today's the last day, and uh, then next week I'm going to do a standalone message. And I've got a couple of those coming, and then I'm going to do another series. I don't know that it'll be a 20-week series. I don't usually do them that long. But there is so much that we needed to know and learn about the authority. So I want to welcome everybody. Let's say hi to our online crowd. Amen. God bless you guys. We've got some people in Florida that were saying they love the service, they love the praise and worship, and they love the church. And so we're thankful for that. So shout out to our Florida fans there. And if you're a fan of us, you're a fan of God, because that's how we do it and why. Uh, so anyway, uh, we found out that we don't have authority over other people. We've been learning this thing about authority. People have their own free will. God honors that. We can't just pray and make other people do what we want. Uh, this isn't, uh, you know, where we can control everybody. We don't have strings. You know, we're not Pinocchio. Um, when we, there's, don't you wish you could, though? How many would like to control the government? Okay, never mind. <laughs> Facebook just probably blocked me right there. <laughs> and we also discovered we can't just pray and get somebody saved. Now, there are scripture that we can believe for our household. I'm not saying you shouldn't pray, and I'm not saying don't pray. I'm just saying just praying alone, saying, hey, we're just because we prayed, they're going to get saved. God has no grandchildren. In other words, they can't be saved because you're saved. That's what I mean. They can't come in on your coattails. They have that choice to make. Everybody has to choose Jesus. That's how you get saved. Just because my father's saved doesn't make me saved. That's not how that works. That's what I'm trying to get at. We have a free will. We make that choice ourselves. And we all know this. Some people do pray, and they don't put any action with it. They just figure, if I pray, that's it. Um, but we have those obligations that we can see things happen. We can, God says he blesses the work of our what? Our hands. And if we aren't doing anything in heaven, guess what zero means? Just like it does here on earth. Zero. So we have to put our hands to things. So if we're praying, and maybe, you, maybe you're praying for somebody to get saved, let's say, but you're very close to them, or maybe you and them used to run together back in the day, in the good old days, and, uh, and you weren't saved then, and now you are saved, and so now you guys just don't gel. I get that. And so you can't seem to witness to them. They see you're different. They're not real sure what to do. So you need to be praying for laborers, other people that could minister to them, maybe not you, to get into that situation, to be able to talk to them um, so that they can be, the word can be shared to them. But what happens so many times we opt out. I'm not doing that. I'm not going there to pray. I'm not going to pray with this person because we either have a pride issue or we don't want or perhaps, and we'll deal with some of that. Maybe, you know, they hurt me in the past. I don't want to pray for them. But today I'm going to try to demonstrate some things. I'm going to try to, again, peel the, the, the veil back a little bit. So to make some things a little more clear for us on how this thing works. It's one thing just to be able to talk about it. But I don't know if you're like me. I'll leave church and sometimes church will be awesome. And I've been in church and I've been sitting where you're sitting. And I'm like, man, the speaker was great. But when I got home, I'm like, I don't have any idea how to do what he said. I want to do what he said, but I'm not sure. And that's one of the reasons we love True Life Church, because we want to live our life on purpose. We were created for a purpose, on purpose. I want to show you some things that have worked because they are word-based. Can I do that? Okay. <laughs> so here's the first thing not to do. Don't go to God like it's his fault. 
I mean, I have done that before. Have you, especially if you're brand new in the faith, God, we almost need some drink with that, or well, let's see, cheese with that wine, wine with that cheese. I don't know. However, that saying goes, we just, oh God, why would you let them? Oh God, it's you know, and we go to him almost like you could have done this or all of that. We we need to know that it's not his fault. Why haven't you saved them, God? Why haven't you done anything? Remind yourself that God says he is not willing that any should perish. That is 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. So in other words, then I want to start out and saying I'm not even throwing the blame on it. I'm just saying, God, you're so good. God, you're so good. It's not your fault they haven't received you. Maybe they got hurt. Maybe you know the situation. But in 2 Peter, that's what it says. You can quote that scripture if you'd like. John, 1 John 2, 2 says, he himself is a propitiation. That's a fun word to say. You, you'll spit when you talk that way. Propitiation for our sins and not ours, but also for the whole world. So Jesus already died for whoever you're believing to get saved or to come back. You want them born again. You want them back in the kingdom. But Jesus wants it even more than you. So start praising God. Thank you, God. Because if we believe we receive when we pray, we can start saying, thank you, Father. This person's going to be coming back to you. I thank you that they, they acknowledge how great you are. Matthew 6, 9 through 13, Jesus is quoting in this the, the Lord's Prayer. And that is a model prayer. We always take that. I have a I don't know if it's still out there, but I had a thing where I've done a a whole message on that and divided that prayer up. But it's powerful because Jesus is saying here, when you pray, you can pray like this. And we, I don't think we, let me just say this. We don't do what Jesus did, and so we don't do what Jesus did. Because people want to know, how come this isn't happening? Because we're not doing things according to the book. We have all of man's things put in there. I want to do what he says. You know, when I was growing up, maybe you can bear witness with this. I don't know that my, my dad, he's here today. I don't know that my dad always asked my opinion if I liked the decision he made. I don't even think I was on the committee to say yay or nay. Sometimes it was just here. I need you to do this. I don't want to do that. It's not what I ask you. I need you to do this. And I found out that, you know, sometimes he wouldn't explain his reason. Now, there is always a reason. God has an answer. The Holy Spirit in you has an answer for every question you have. And, I, and I, he could have told me the answer. Sometimes I think he was just seeing if I would trust him. Or... I lived in the whole era. How many could give me a witness? Because I? Help me, Jesus. He said a lot of things. But because he said it, man, it was like law. You know what I'm saying? So part of that is just quit asking me the questions. You're still going to do it. Even if I told you the answer, just do it. We don't view God the way that I think, we, we view him as this legalistic rule, good, bad. When I, 
when I got saved, I'll tell you, I, I don't know if this makes any sense to you, and I hope this is helping somebody. I was afraid of God. I was afraid of Jesus. Anybody else? Maybe not. I don't know. When I grew up, we saw on Easter, there was always the movie The King of Kings. Anybody ever watch that movie? Okay. Then there was another movie, Jesus of Nazareth. Whoever played Jesus, and if you're watching, God bless you. But it was not a person that I would want to crawl up on their lap. And it freaked me out as a young kid. And I was afraid when, if I went to God, that God would show up in my room in a big booming light and he would look like that guy with his cheeks were all narrowed and his, they were bony and his hair looked all greasy. And he was going to go, Brett. <laughs> and I was like, mm. And so January 2nd, 1980, I had witnessed my parents get saved. My sister got saved. And Jeff, you know, the, the big guy, the security guy, he might be, there he is over there. The guy, he is the white version of Samuel L. Jackson. If you look at Samuel Jackson, there he is right there. He's just white over here. <laughs> Put a patch on his eye and you got Avengers right there. <laughs> I wouldn't want to mess with him. But he's on, you know, he's on security and all that. But see, my folks had gotten saved. Then, then Kim and Jeff got saved. And there's stories with that. And that's what started, listen to what I'm trying to tell you, started changing my life. They didn't sit there and, well, my mother did. <laughs> my mother, she'd lead a wooden Indian to Christ if you gave her an opportunity. I mean, you, <laughs> Is your dog saved? Let me come here. You need to know. She would, I don't care if it moved, she's going to talk to it about God. But now Jeff and Kim weren't like that. But I would go, Jeff had to go to work, and I'd go over to my sister's because she was having babies. She's pregnant. So my nieces and stuff, and I, and I was helping him out and her out by being there in case she went into labor that I could help get her to wherever she needed and do all that, you know, because my sister and I have always been close. And I'd get over there, and she'd be sitting in this one chair, and she would have her Bible open, and she'd be reading her Bible. My sister, I'm just, I used to go to their house because they would partay. Do you know? I could go. To, when I grew up, my dad was a partay guy. We had, he had a keg in the house in the refrigerator with a nozzle. Yeah, you'd be a teen and not want to sneak downstairs. <laughs> be like Richie Cunningham. That only had a little bit of teeny-weeny glasses. How many did you have? 72. <laughs> I mean, you know, he, it was so that, you know, I kind of grew up that way. And so, I mean, I was a good kid and all that. But, you know, they got saved and all that stuff stopped. Well, there was only one place to go. That was Crunch's house. Then they got saved. The world's against me. So now she, she's not preaching at me. She's just living it. And so I'm watching her read her Bible, and, and, and I'm watching Jeff. And Jeff has always been good to me, so that's not, never been an issue. I mean, but it was just like I'm seeing all these changes. So January 2nd, 1980, I decided I was miserable. I just wasn't happy with who I was, and, and I was missing out on something. They seemed to have something I didn't have. What happened to people that we can witness like that? And I went to my sister, and I said, 
Crunch, I don't know whatever it is you have, but I, I want to have that too. And she led me to Jesus January 2nd, 1980. My mom worked at City Hall here in Marion. I, I called her on the phone, and she said, I knew it. <laughs> but I felt like a ton of bricks had fallen off my back. Like all of a sudden, I didn't have all my answers, but I knew I had the answer. Something had changed. What happened? And I started asking myself, what happened? 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, whose minds the God of this age is blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. This is saying specifically that the enemy wants to blind the minds so that we won't believe. So we can't see the light of the gospel, the truth. It won't shine on them. And I got to thinking about that. So if you're praying and you're here watching me today and you're praying for an individual, your, your homies, your peeps, your nation, your community, your town, your city, your village, your home, your crib, I don't care what you want to call it, to change and see things happen, there is demonic opposition. You have to do something besides just pray. You have to be specific. There is blindness I didn't know that before. I just thought people were stubborn. But there's blindness. There's demonic activity where the enemy wants to blind people from seeing the gospel. So you have to speak truth. Counter back the lies with truth. The enemy is a lie and the father of lies. Remember, that's what Jesus said. We have to counter that with truth. It's also doing, not just praying. They need to hear truth. Somebody has to give them truth. So if you can't be the one, then you pray specifically for people to cross their path that will live or show them truth. Ask the Holy Spirit what and how to pray. Pray in your prayer language. I, I very rarely, I don't know that I do everything perfect. I don't. That's pretty well obvious. But if I pray in the Spirit, I pray in my prayer language, I get it perfect. That's amazing. He can begin to orchestrate things. Be willing to be used of the Lord for the answer and the freedom that this individual or whoever you're praying for need. John 8, 32, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Have you ever heard this saying, what you don't know won't hurt you? Let me say it this way, what you do know will set you free. Only truth you know makes you free. I hope you're seeing some of what I'm trying to tell you. You have to know the truth to set you free. I get it, but if you don't know the truth, you're not going to get free. So when we start interceding for somebody or someplace, we have to deal with blindness. There's something hindering them. A person doesn't even come to the Lord on their own. They are drawn by the Holy Spirit. John 6, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up in the last day. When a person is going after God or they're saying, I need answers, I just need God, they are seeking God because they are being drawn by the Holy Spirit. But what happens in our natural mind, our natural heart, there's blindness. 
because we've grown up in the earth curse system. We praise God because he doesn't want any to perish. But sometimes we forget that truth. I had somebody that I love dearly said, why would God, if he's so loving, why would he send people to hell? My answer to him was, God won't send people to hell. People will send themselves by not choosing him. They have a choice. They don't have to go. So we have to deal with deception and blindness. One of the reasons we do praise and worship at the beginning of service is because it's like a plow going through the ground. It just digs things up so the word can be planted in the soil. It gets us ready to hear the word of God. We start out, I will enter his courts with thanksgiving. I will sing his praise. That's why we praise at the beginning. We're getting hearts ready for truth, for freedom. We, we tell our core people when it comes time for the altar call, don't move around, don't do this, don't do that. And you might think, oh, don't, why? Because all people need is a distraction. If they're going to come to the Lord, they're like, oh, nope, I'm not coming now. That's what happens. And I know there's people that go off the deep end. They get caught up in religion, the do's and don'ts, making life so tough that nobody could walk it out all the while dishing out judgment and condemnation. Most of those people rebel. They want no part of it. Now, I mean, we've all come out of different things. If I had asked, I was, when I was a kid, we were Methodist. How many were Methodist at one time? Baptist. Episcopalian. Pentecostal. <laughs> We got the cheering crowd in the back. <laughs> Preach it! You know, I mean, there's all, and we, sometimes we come out and we were like, okay. Because we found out there was more. Some man has put things into sometimes a package and we find out that package wasn't a God package. Now, I've, Kim and I have been married 38 years. I can prove there's a God. I just stand next to Kim. Okay, that went over well. But I think it works really well. But anyway, when I started seeing Kim, I, I met Charles and Charlotte. And Charles doesn't talk much. I'd be there, and he would just look at me. And I'm like, I don't know if he's going to talk. I mean, it was awkward at best. And, I, you know, I was always calling because my, my dad raised me. I, Mr. Bowling? What time would you like me to have her back? He looked at Charlotte and said, well, we're not used to this. I was like, okay, maybe I made some headway. I mean, he was it always treated me great. Charlotte, wow. I first found out how great she was because she started cooking. She said, we're, we're going to eat. You're going to stay. You're going to stay? Yeah, I'll stay. She fixed me two hamburgers. Not just one, two Wonderful, big hamburgers and all kinds of good stuff with it. And then they gave me, opened the refrigerator. Remember when you bought Coke and Pepsi in the big bottles? And you could pop that and that little smoky fizz would... Remember that? They do that in heaven. They don't serve that in hell. 
I go, well, I was there. And she said, here, get yourself a Pepsi and pop that thing. I looked at Kim and I said, well, get a glass and we'll split it. Because back at our house, that's what we did. We only got pop and we got Fago or Shasta. They still make that? Okay. And we got that during Wizard of Oz. Because everybody watched it, usually in America, about the same time, you know. Charlie Brown, Christmas, that kind of stuff. Some of you are hung up because I said Wizard of Oz. <laughs> I'll get you, my pretty. Okay. Anyway, but we, Kim and I, would, Crunch and I would split that. We, we didn't get, you know, I mean, not the bottles. We got the can. My dad, one of his saving things he loves. If you ask him, well, one of his favorite words, cheap. If he can get, he'll be like, oh, I got this for free. We went camping with his brother, Tom, who's head of facilities. Went camping with his brother. He snuck around, got into Tom's cooler, got Tom's pop, shut it, come around his camper. For three days, been feeding Tom his own pop. And Tom is taking it and saying, David, I can't believe how generous you are. And he's like, oh, don't mention it. Don't mention it. The whole time, he is giving Tom his own pop. And my dad said, it's a classic. That's legendary. I'm like, I'm preaching that. For three days, I'm watching. I'm sitting at the fire just trying not to say anything. And Tom is like, man, this pop is so good knowing you paid for it, David. And he's like, drink up, buddy. Just drink up. <laughs> Crazy. Awesome. <laughs> anyway, back to... Back to Charlotte, they, you know, Charles was in a Baptist church. And, and then something happened. Charles got the Holy Ghost. He got to speak in tongues. They didn't like that. So they said, we love you, get out. And he, he left. He left. When I, when I met Kim, I never saw, and this is true, oh, but it's not dishonoring Charlotte in any way. She never Wore, she was always in a skirt. Never, ever anything but a dress. Ever. And I remember coming over to her house, and Kim pulls me off to the side, and she says, Brett. I said, what? She said, my mom is wearing, now here's something if you, I don't know if they still make them, culottes. My mom's wearing culottes. Now, I'm a dude. Is that some form of Kool-Aid? What, what? She said, no, they're like pants, but they're like, Shorts, but they were like pants. I said, okay. She said, it's a big deal. I'm like, how big? It's a big deal, trust me. I'm like, okay. So she said, say something to my mom. Hi. Love your culottes. But she was always kind to me. She probably like, hi, have another burger. Thank you. <laughs> Because man put their package on everything. And we've grown up thinking this is how God moves. He has to move in this framework. Instead of considering what if the Bible's bigger than your frame. We raised our kids and we didn't ask Dr. Spock. We didn't ask. You know, a lot, there was no, we didn't know what to do. We started homeschooling our kids and it wasn't so big then. There are people that were mad. They didn't like that. And there wasn't a whole lot of people just to go up and say, hey, what are you doing? There wasn't a bunch of co-ops and all kinds of stuff. But we did our best to follow God. And people said, well, if you could go back, would you change some things? Come on. 
Everybody would change something if you'd go back. But there's a lot of things I don't think we would change. There are some things I think we would. But truth, you can't go back. So you just have to stay committed to the Lord. And if you did it wrong, you're going to have to commit that to the Lord and thank God for repentance and forgiveness or blindness or stupidity. And move on. Perspective means a lot and affects others differently. I've got four children, and they've had great childhoods. I am, I am a participating parent. You know what that is? I mean, I was there every time they did something, every time. I never missed their practices. I never missed their games. Mallory, she led worship if you're new here. She's just tiny. And so if you're looking, thinking, well, she's putting on weight. She's pregnant, just so you know. Okay? So I'll, I'll help her out a little bit. But anyway, she's just tiny. She's like her mom. But man, she's fast. The fastest person I know is back there, Justin. If you've never seen Justin Oman run, you might as well don't blink. How many were Scotty? We did softball. Justin ran around the base softball. The whole team is like, oh. Scott turns to me and we're standing there and he just goes, man, that dude and I just before he even finished, yeah. Because there was just smoke. Crazy fast. Well, Mal was fast. And so she was running track. I'm a participating parent. And she's like, Daddy. I'm like, this is, this is before Justin. Okay. And, and she said, they're making fun of me. And I said, who's making? She's pointing over there's big, tall people from the opposing team. Of course, in Mal's world, everybody's big and tall, you know. You know, Jesus loves short people. There's scripture that says, lo, I'm with you always. <laughs> oh, okay, that's bad. <laughs> anyway, this is what, you're going to leave here and go, okay, that was at least I got something out of that. But I told her, I said, baby, all I want you to do is focus. She said, what? I said, you get in that starting block. You just shut everything out till that gun, and then you look at it. You just focus. I was talking almost to myself, too, and she's like, yes, Dad. And I prayed with her, and she went down there. I'm on the other side of the fence, and I'm like this. And, you know, runners, take your money. And there's these, these tall girls. They're like, Pfft. one girl says, yeah, you'll be eating my cleats, and you'll be this, and you'll be that. And I said, now let them talk. Who cares? It's what happens on the finish line. You, you know, so she gets on. I don't even remember. I remember doing this kind of now, but I mean, it just kind of happened. Start running down the sidelines of the fence, waving my arms, going, Holy Ghost! <laughs> Not quietly. And I used to give my mom a hard time for saying, Go Vernon. But man, I did that the whole, and she smoked everybody. She's the first one down there. And those girls didn't say nothing when they were done. I just looked at her, and I'm like, yeah. But she was looking at me like, please don't ever do that again. <laughs> because I was entertainment for the crowd. So when I go back, now I, you know, there's some things I wouldn't, but I, I love participating with my kids. They were all raised in a family that we did the same thing. We had family night, we did. But some of them... There'll be times that I've got, you know, where they'll have a different opinion. Oh, my childhood wasn't this, you know, and the other will remember it differently than one will remember. It still had a good childhood, but they, they took it different. Because perspective, personality, some of those things play into that. 
Some take what happened, get the good out of it, forget the bad, eat the meat, throw away the bones. Others dwell on the bones, don't like the meat. It's too bony. But sometimes we'll take something and we'll relive it. If it's good, that's great. If it's bad, it's not feeding your spirit. So we'll relive, we'll, we'll rehearse something that, that hurt us. We'll nurse it, we'll hearse it, rehearse it, we'll curse it. We'll even disperse it to others. But if we were honest, the truth from Jesus, he wants to reverse it. God wants to take the stuff. Maybe it didn't happen the way somebody else thought it was great and you thought it was. There's people that love fireworks. There's people that love fireworks, but they hate the boom. So that's their perspective. So you got to take good. Life is going to come at you. Choose. Got it? After you pull weeds, you got to plant some flowers. People need the truth to get to them. So if there's a a vacuum there. God, then put something good. That's why Revelation 12, 11 says they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. In other words, they, they have covenant now. They're a believer. And the word of their testimony. What word is fighting the giant you're facing? Matthew 9, 37, 38 says, He said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful. The laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers in the harvest. You see, you got to start praising God. God, he wants them into the kingdom more than you do. And you stand in agreement with his word. His word doesn't come back void. Pray against blindness and deception. So that loved one, you start praying against blindness and deception of the enemy that has been keeping them from seeing God's gospel. Pray for people to cross their path. First, don't not include yourself. Maybe you're the one that will help. Or if you have a small part to play, do whatever. Maybe you're, you know, besides just praying. Put feet to your prayer. Action on your part. If they are like, you know what, I have people that, you know, I, I, I knew you, you know, way before, or what, and again, wasn't a bad person, but, you know, wasn't a church person, so to speak, and because of that, they don't want to receive from that. I'm just saying, then I will pray laborers into them. Release the kraken. All right, I'm, you know, God wants you saved. He wants you blessed. If you don't want to receive it from me, then receive it from someone that God will send you. Whatever it takes. God will get the truth to them. 1 Peter 1, 23. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. It's calling the word of God seed. <clears throat> Children come from sperm. People get saved by planting the word. The word of God. They don't, not by the stork. The seed has to be planted. That's how he does it. The word is planted. Somebody shows them the word. That's why in some Bibles they'll say, well, you need to show them the Roman road. And there's several scriptures in Rome's, Rome's, Romans that you can show them. You know, 623 and 323 and all of that. The, every bit of that is true. Some people, though, they get, you have to ask God. Ask the Holy Spirit, how do I witness to this person? And again, my sister and my brother-in-law and my father and my mother, I watched their lives change. I'm going to tell you something about my dad. Now, I tease him about his cheapness because he loves that. 
He's shaking his head at me. That's right, son. Preach it. But I'll tell you something else, too. He, he will not jip God. He will not. He got saved, and I remember, and I, he didn't do this for me, but this is one of the witnesses for me. I went into his bedroom, and I would see it. Every time he got paid, there was a check, and he'd set it on top of his dresser, and it would be made out to the church. And it would be hundreds of dollars. And I remember asking him, Dad, why do you give that much money? And he just looked at me and say, because God saved me. And I want to do everything I can. And I remember leaving his room like, because I knew how he was. I'm just saying. When I was living at home, he used to say, why are you wearing my shirts? Because he would have these really nice, you know, the ones back in the day you could get at JCPenney, and they would be expensive, the flannel shirts. And you, Because I got the shirts, he caught me that if you tried to put it on more than one time, the button broke. <laughs> Not his. His were great, so I just wore his. They happened to fit, so I just wore his. He's, why are you wearing shirts? I said, because yours are good. He was like, get a job, buy your own. But I saw when it came to the house of God and what, what he was doing, he was there every time. He was, he was there every week. He was faithful in his giving. I see him in the morning. He would be in a place where he did his devotions. He would be there with his Bible open. And I saw that happening with my sister. I'd see my brother-in-law, who hardly spoke when I first met him, pray with her and pray, you know. I was just like, what is going on? Also pray this. God will let them remember. The person you're praying for, seeds that have already been sown. Maybe somebody you know that's came to the Lord and they've walked away. I know people like that. Their perspective can change if it wasn't lining up with God or they got around people that influenced them in a bad way. John 14, 26, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send my name, he will teach you all things, and this is what I underlined, and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. One of the ministries of the Holy Spirit is to bring back our memories, things that have been spoken to us, maybe things that we've said or things that people that impressed our lives pray that god will bring back to their remembrance anything they've already heard that will and can be planted or in some cases replanted in remembering so if somebody's walked away from the lord then god will not let them he doesn't want them to perish so the holy spirit will bring back and i will pray that things that they remember how god took care of them how god helped them how god saved them 18 and 19 of the first chapter of Romans, the wrath of God revealed from heaven against all ungodliness, unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness because of what may be known of God is manifest to them, for God has shown, shown it to them. NLT says it this way, God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. Everybody has had a time or place where they know that had to have been God. Even people that have walked away, they can say, I'm an atheist, I'm this, I'm that. There's still a time where you cannot answer other than saying, I know that was God. 
They've allowed other opinions, false doctrines, religion, past hurts, their own views to taint what really and actually happened. But deep down, they still know. The Bible talks about if your child has went astray, that when they grow, they won't depart from those truths because God will help them remember. Some are in denial. That's not the river in Egypt. Okay. But the word is always involved in some way. We have to get the word to people, the word of God. Maybe you're the vehicle God wants to use. If you can't and you're too close or you've been too close or there's been past hurts or whatever, then pray that God brings back to their remembrance something that's already spoken, something that will mean a lot or send a laborer that will help them. In John 20, 22 and 23, when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. See, most of us don't understand this, and I have to say this. I'm almost finished, but I still need to make this clear. We think we can forgive people's sins. That's not what this is saying. Nobody can forgive a person's sin but God. You can't get a person born again by your faith. You can't forgive their sins in the place of God. God has to forgive. You can forgive them for you or the effects of that on you. But God is what? He takes away the sins of the world. I didn't take away the sins of the world. What we're saying is that we remit them to God. God, this person hurt me or this happens. I give that to you, casting that care on you. Remittance means this, the effects or the visible or noticeable effects of something. In other words, you have forgiven them as far as that affects. You will not allow that to affect you so in that relationship can go forward. Does that make sense? Let me give you, let me just go a little bit deeper. Say if somebody has an incurable disease and they work at getting that disease into remittance, it doesn't say that it's healed. That means it's stopped. They've got it halted. It's no longer visible what it's doing. I don't have the power to forgive sin and take it away. Jesus did that. I submit under his authority, and I apply what he did to me. Make sense? I have a say in how that affects me. I have a say if I get offended. I don't have to get offended. I have a say if I lose my place of peace. That's up to me. So when I pray for some, I'm, I'm praying for those effects. God, I, I don't want to feel that way. And you, Brett, well, make this, okay, let, let me make this real clean. You're going, you're going down Kroger's aisle 17, and a person that has hurt you bad comes up aisle 17, do you go, turn your cart around and go the other way? Maybe that's wise in some cases until you get to this point. Other than that, you have to give that. In other words, you find out sometimes if that effect is still bothering you. And you have to give that to the Lord. And you have to cast that on him and you... You have to, not because you can, because he did. And you can because he did. I'm going to make this as easy as I can because I don't want to be misunderstood or misquoted. 
So if I'm praying for somebody and I'm praying for remission or remittance of those effects because of the pain, I need to be specific. Because sometimes we enable people to continue to be the way they are, and we just overlook things. Is that not true? So we have to be cautious and be led of the Lord. Because what happens when we enable people, if we want to continue to let them act a certain way or we continue to just overlook things and stuff like that, they don't feel, they don't feel the weight of what that causes because we think we, we just enable that. I don't know if that is making sense. So they don't, they don't feel guilt or condemnation, or, and I'm not trying to condemn them or make them feel guilty, but sometimes people can, well, it's okay if I do it. I don't care what you feel like because they, we have enabled people. Does that make any kind of sense? We, we don't, it's not my job. I cannot take stuff away from them. That is, Jesus already did that. My job is to submit to Jesus and then let what his words say be truth, not what my word. I mean, if I'm quoting his word, that's one thing, but sometimes we quote stuff with an attitude. You're going to hell. <laughs> and they, they, they won't receive that. So I've given my life to helping people. My dad can witness to this with his life. We were commanders for Royal Rangers, and we'd go on summer camp, and there would be kids that would be, as God is our witness, 9, 10, 11-year-old, 12 years old, that could not make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. We tried. They would take the knife, and they would push real hard and just rip the bread up and you might say, Brett, this is a stupid example. Just listen to me for a second. So this is what I told him. I said, let me show you how to do it. So I said, don't, don't push down. It. Just, you know. And first, next, they kind of tore it, but not as bad. And I, they were on the cooking details. So they're making people, some of those sandwiches look like Jaws had been in there. <laughs> and so, you know, but, but what I'm saying is, when we sat down to eat, I remember some little boy going, who made this? And it looked like somebody had already chewed it and put it down into a pile. And, and here's the two boys. But then the sandwiches got better. My point is, have we not let them feel some of that? They would never know how to make a peanut butter sandwich. Now, that's a goofy example. But sometimes people think they can just do anything they want and there's no remorse no effects on anything it's just their world and we just live in it that's not how life is sometimes you have to pull some of the things away to let them feel some of that stuff and we protect them sometimes way too much i mean we've experienced it sometimes even in our own kids how many have ever had the baby of the family and you're like don't you touch my baby to the point where the baby needs to learn 
I'm almost finished. Here's, here's the thing. Mallory, I remember teaching her how to ride her bike. Put on that little helmet, you know, that looked like she was the alien character almost. But uh, she had this little bike. She wanted to learn it. I said, okay. So I said, this is what we're going to do. And I gave her all the instruction. She's like, okay, Daddy. But this is my Mallory. I mean, my first child was a stillborn. I held him in my arms. I wish, if I could go back, I wish I'd have prayed different when I was there. Because I think he would be alive today. I, part of that, I, I, have to, I have to cast that to the Lord because I beat myself up about that. But this is, then, then Mallory came. And so, because she was a girl and Josh is already in heaven, I was like, wow. So her and I were just close. I took her everywhere with me, everywhere. She wanted to ride a bike. I said, all right. So I had to think about this. I thought, well, if I put her out on the concrete or the blacktop, if she wrecks, and y'all know first couple times on a bike that's a pretty good chance that's going to hurt my baby it's going to it's going to mess with me because then i'm going to hurt her and i don't want her to so I, I put her in the grass i made sure the grass was low and i said okay we're going to do this and on the grass and we're going to you know so i kind of taught her a little on the grass and she said daddy it's hard to drive yeah i get it okay we're going to go to the now we're going to go to the parking lot all right. I said, I got a hold of the back seat and I got a hold of the front handlebars. I'm running beside her and she's doing it. We did that a few times. Then it was just the back seat. Then she, being Mallory, I want to do this myself, Dad. Okay. So I stood back and say she was like back by the sound booth and she starts riding and she rides past me and I'm like, you're doing it. She got five pedals in and six and ten. You're doing it. And she's doing this, you know, and the bike is like that. Yeah. And I'm like, you're doing it. Way to go, Mal. And she looks back like to say, yeah. Don't ever have them look back. <laughs> Crash and burn. And she hit the, the cement. And I remember like, and I just sucked in breath. And she was laying on part the bike and part the, the blacktop. And she rolled over and got up, and she goes, yeah! And I was like, thank you, God! And she had a little strawberry on her, on her knee, and she told me when I was putting the Band-Aid on, that's okay, Daddy. That's what he's doing with you and me. Some of this faith stuff is just like we're getting on this thing again. Some of this just trusting him and just using our authority. Well, I've, I didn't know about praying for blindness. Okay. You ready? And he started riding. I'm telling you these things because I've seen fruit from it. I can't, I'm just trying to do my best to explain what he's trying to tell us. The enemy is out to, to steal, kill, and destroy. John 10.10. 10. But God says, I don't want you to perish. So to get past that, 
Let him teach you how to ride. Let him teach you how to ride. Let him show you what to do. And I tell you, with God, if he says, way to go, you could probably look back and be okay. Me, I don't know. But I challenge you today, as we just devoured as much authority as we could, take the word of God and use it. Plant it in your heart. Speak it out of your mouth. Listen to it through your ears. See it with your eyes. Believe it. And when you pray, you speak it with authority. Now, I'm just going to tell you honestly, last week, you know, I, I can't control everybody. There, there are going to be people that I pray for. Some people have theatrics. I can't do anything about that except call it and be done with it. So just know that as long as, just, just trust me that if it's, if it's of God and we need to make mention of it or whatever, I'll do that. If it's not, just trust me. I'll do everything I can to make sure that it doesn't harm you in any way. But that doesn't mean those people aren't worth it. The people are still worth it. But there's something in their viewpoint that's made that. So you know what we do? We pray for blindness. we start seeing things clearly there's people in this place you need healing but you've been blinded I'm going to stay right here and when we're done receiving offering and all of that I'm going to believe with you because I believe God wants you to walk out of here healed today And if the enemy had his way, you'll never be healed. But his way has already been thwarted. Jesus already beat him ugly with a stick. He's not going to get any better looking. He's ugly. So let's pray. Let's believe God. I'm going to let you out of this place. And if you need a healing, I'm going to trust the Lord. Today is the day you walk out of here different. Not just because, now you got to believe you receive when we pray, yes. But I'll tell you what I'm believing. I'm believing you also, not that it has to happen this way, because we are not led by feelings, but I want you to feel it different. God's about to do something big in this place, y'all. Because I just moved to a new house two years ago, and he's having me move back this way. So we're calling our house already sold. Moving was not on my agenda, but because of what is going to, some of the reasons of what is going to happen here, he said, I want you to be close. It's about to happen. It's about to happen. Father, in the name of Jesus, with every head bowed and every eye closed, as this sacred moment right now, if there's somebody that says, Brett, I, I need Jesus. Those that are online, this is for you as well. 
you've never accepted Jesus, never fully accepted, or you're coming back to him, or you're just recommitting your life, or whatever the reason, I want you just to put your hand up and put it back down. Those that are online, you can put your hand up where you're at. Anybody in this auditorium? Yes. Anybody else? Father, in the name of Jesus, I speak life. I speak wholeness, your presence in this place. God, right now with my fellow family, we come against blindness. We bind blindness and deception in Jesus' name. And Lord, today be a day of truth and freedom. And we give you the praise. We give you the glory. And we call it done in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. Amen. Stand to your feet. Give